three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday, where we talk to friends, clients, and total strangers about what they perceive as failures in their life and how they have used that to propel them forward in some way, make them a better person, better business owner, better mom. And today we have a very good friend of mine. She is also a mom. She used to own a bakery. Uh, now I think she's just focusing on being a mom because she's been through some shit. She also used to be my neighbor. That's how I met her. Her name is Christine. Thank you so much for coming, Christine. I love you. I miss you. Thank you. I miss you so much. I know Christine uh, moved to Louisiana. It is her second or third move since I've met you. Oh gosh. Three years ago. So I moved once again in Florida and I've moved twice here in Louisiana because of the hurricane. The three. So, yep. Been a hot hit few months. <laughs> Literally been three moves. She has two beautiful daughters, Scarlett and Violet. She just informed me that Violet is now working on her skin routine in her bathroom. <laughs> Violet is nine years old and she uses way better skin products than I do. So I guess that's same. something I need to look forward to. And same, we were just talking about like, we literally just wipe our face with a baby wipe if we have time at night. Yep. Scarlett's got, what's the name of the product she's using? So Violet's like using like CeraVe and then like this pixie toner stuff from um, Target. But like she lines it up and she's got one for like calming, like <laughs> sensitive skin. And oh she just, God. she does her whole thing. I mean, it's adorable. Do you use a toner? I don't use, it's I'm not so even bad. sure what it does. So it's supposed to like clarify and like cleanse the extra dirt and excess oil that you have on your skin, like that your makeup remover doesn't get. But like, I mean, I'm literally using like CeraVe like wipes or baby wipes for my face. <laughs> and then the occasional trip for Botox, like that's all I got. My kid she's is gonna look like she's out. nine years old and when she's 60. I know. <laughs> I'm like, can you just do mine? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stick to Botox. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's just I'll stick to Botox. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So, Christine, Christine has a very similar personality to me. Very direct. Uh, absolutely no filter, which made us getting along really fucking easy. Um, <laughs> it's also why I'm really excited to have her on. She's a really good storyteller. I'm sure she's gonna go into some deep shit. So Christine, what personal experience are you going to share with people today that you perceive as a failure that you turned into something where you fell forward? So I would probably have to go with my marriage uh, or my ex-marriage. Um, I was married for 11 years to the love of my life that I thought. And it was a very, very tough marriage for me. Um, I came from a Catholic background of, you know, divorce is never an option. So you just fight it through, you figure it out. And um, I found out that I was actually married to someone who had an addiction problem. And it was an addiction that was hidden for a very long time. Um, looking back, like it really wasn't that hidden, um, but I guess just not being mentally strong enough to kind of like peel back those onion layers when I suspected things that were a little off, um, but finding out how off they really were when I opened that can of worms was quite devastating. 
um, especially with two young ones. We had um, Scarlett was only, gosh, six months old, I think, um, whenever I started the process of our separation and moving forward with that. So yeah, that would be it. I didn't realize Scarlett was so young. For reference, Scarlett is almost five five now. No, she's five. She'll be six in April. So um, let's see. Right before I had gave birth to her, I actually knew he had a problem. Um, But I did not know it was to the extent that it was. Um, But I ended up having to hide my pain pills and actually throw them out before I went home from my recovery of my C-section for Scarlett because I knew it would cause an argument because I knew he would take them. No matter where I'd hide them, he'd find them. It's always been that way. Um, But when I sent him to rehab, when I decided to leave, this was in 2017 that I filed, but I sent him to a rehab, I think like in October, maybe a little sooner than that, in uh, 2017. And I realized he was addicted to quite a bit more than that. And um, it was quite devastating to hear, um, knowing how broken he was and how broken our marriage was. And I could not save that, no matter how, what I did. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you chose to talk, to talk about this because now I can tell how we actually met. So my mom was visiting. I think it was, I don't remember why she was here. There's many reasons why she comes here. Um, <laughs> she was visiting and my mom told most people, if a neighbor is outside, they are not safe. And Christine's mom was staying at her house and she was walking and my mom was just outside looking for a conversation. And, and her, Christine's mom and my mom got to talking and moms, I don't know if it's just my mom and your mom, but if they find someone who's going to listen, they're going to tell all your damn Everything. business. Like vomit all your, your shit. <laughs> like all diarrhea of, of the mouth to no All end. of it. And then they don't <laughs> tell you. And then all of a sudden you meet a complete stranger. They're like, oh yeah, your mom told me that like you did this when you were in college and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. So that's what happened. And her mom literally laid out the land like, oh yes, my daughter, husband's a drug addict went to work every day, didn't really go to work every day. And now she's leaving him. She has two young children and she needs to learn about finance because we, she has no idea what's going to happen or yeah. what's going on or what she's going to get or what she can get or what's even there. Can my daughter eventually talk to your daughter? And my mom was like, yeah, sure. She's not doing anything. Send her over. So about two days go by and I get a knock on my door and it's Christine. And that's how I met her. <laughs> oh man, I totally forgot that. I mean, I like went on your doorstep, like vomiting the same probably amount that my mom did. But my mom was like, you have to go talk to this girl. Like she's really good at what she does. And I think she can help you. She's used to dealing with people, you know, who you know, work in the NFL and all these things. And I just think she could help you. And I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't need any help. I'm good. But then finally, I think because I was so overwhelmed with you know, being a, a caretaker for the girls for so long, looking back, I feel almost like I was groomed for our marriage. And I didn't even know because he never wanted me to work ever. Um, he really didn't want me to finish my college degree. Um, it was like, just stay home. We have the funds, do all these things. And I was young, stupid. Um, and I did those things. So when divorce came on the table, I'm thinking, 
what am I going to do? Like, I mean, what job am I going to get? I did not finish to get my college degree. I have two little girls and now I have this giant divorce. That's probably not going to go very smoothly. It was very intimidating. So going to you was like, you know, you pointed me in the direction of a great attorney and just gave me peace of knowing like, Hey, this happens and you will get through it. You just have to get through it. But it I does. also remember texting you so many times, like I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like, yes. This is too and hard. I'm so glad that you took my advice when you sent me those text messages. Cause there was a few times where I was really concerned about your mental health, but that is characteristic oh, yeah. of so many divorces. I, but also I think what else was weighing so heavy on you is that you were just holding this massive secret and you have two girls that are, one of them's at the brink of the age where she's old enough to ask questions. Like what the hell is going on? Like she was like seven and advanced, like very advanced for her age. So she was like very aware of, all right, where's dad? Like he just like, he was here and now he's not. And he, he keeps saying he's on vacation, but it's been like a year. So what's up mom? Yeah, she didn't buy into it at all. Um, You know, we told her it was work because I didn't want to trauma until I knew what was going to happen legally going forward. And with him being in rehab, sending him to rehab, you know, we told him that he was on work and, but she's just so smart. She's such an old soul. And like knowing that I had to be more real with her, um, with a therapist's help, of course, I think it was extremely hard and heartbreaking for, because I felt like her innocence was taken. And that's what I think was probably my hardest battle during the whole thing. You can give me anything between him and I, but I think dealing with her was probably my biggest challenge. Not because she was poorly behaved, but because it was changing everything about her life and what she knows is safe and taking that completely from her. And that's a really hard pill to swallow as a mom because every mom pictures to raise their children in a loving home, a safe environment. Doesn't matter your house size, your income size, it's just you want happy. And when you take that, that's really, really hard to accept that you fail at that. Even though I didn't fail, I just couldn't fix is how I look at it. Right. And I think perhaps, and you correct me if I'm wrong, what you might perceive as failure is how could I have done this earlier, right? Like what yes. <laughs> What red flags did I ignore, maybe even on purpose that could have resulted in me starting this process earlier, whether it would have benefited you financially or not to start it earlier, but- Oh, 100%. But then I look back to, sorry. But then I look back to, and I'm thinking, I mentally was not ready until when I did That's it. fair. That's fair. I, I know if I did it any earlier, because think about it, Scarlett, I was postpartum. You know, Scarlett was not an easy baby. She had um, colic like crazy. She was very clingy. But looking back to, I think she picked up on my energy, which is fair. For sure. For sure. I mean, you can only hide so much, but I mean, babies, I was told recently that babies, what is it? They live off of your energy and they feel that to the core basically until they're four they feel what you feel so we can try and hide all day long that like oh mommy's happy but like truthfully they just know because they're so connected to you and so 
having Scarlett, I was just not mentally stable, I think, to do it then. And then when I was, I knew I would have to like really do it. And I think that was just, I did it when I was supposed to do it. I agree with that. I mean, as someone who's been in an incredibly toxic relationship and people that have never been in a truly toxic toxic situation, first of all, God bless you if you haven't, because I feel like more people have than haven't. But part of that, I remember people telling me so many times through the two and a half to three years that was happening, why don't you just leave? Like, I don't understand why you keep staying. You, it's not, you have to be mentally, it is like a prison that you put yourself in. You lose your sense of self. You lie to yourself. You isolate yourself. You lie to people around you. You pre- create this pretty little box. You can't just leave that pretty little box. That means you've been lying this whole time. You've been, you've built this entire story for yourself that part of you truly believes. And you have to be ready to shit on that entire story and tell yourself, hey, this is, this is never going to get better. This is never going to change. You have to be in that place to leave for good. And most of the time, and I didn't see this in your situation, but I went back probably 20, 20 times when I shouldn't have gone back until I was ready to leave. Then I ran well, away to Europe, but. It's the, it's the same thing as an addict. Think about it though. It's like, it is. You're, you're almost addicted to the chaos in your relationship. 100%. So you have to, like break free for like a 30 day cleanse basically before your body and your mind start to remember like okay like no that's not okay and I don't have to do that and I always felt guilty too because like he never hit me he was never mean to me I mean I was very very lucky in those ways that I was not physically abused it was the mental abuse that was the mind games the where's the money why is this missing what is this doing who is this person those things that mess with you so much that then you start to think you're the problem and you're like yeah oh, you know, well I don't know if anyone and I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for saying this because uh but whatever I don't know <laughs> if any one of those is harder than the other I think it depends on the person because I have a pretty high pain tolerance and I remember in the thick of it in my situation that it wasn't the getting hit that I was I kind of got used to that, right? Like I would look right. forward to the argument. This is so fucked up. I would look forward to the argument because I knew exactly what I had to do to get him to hit me after a while. Right. Like I, I literally, in my scenario, I just had to ignore him. If if he was asking me a question and he wanted an answer, all I had to do was ignore him and I knew I was going to get hit. And I would do it on purpose because I wanted him to hit me or I wanted him to slap me or I wanted him to choke me because I knew after he hurt me, there was like love two you. or three days that were like heaven, Christine. It was beautiful. It was my dream relationship. It was, that's the man I'm going to marry. That's the, ba- I'm going to have his, that's the man. I'm going to wait for that man to take over and become who he is every day. So, um, that's not real. So no, I think but that's that you were doing. Abuse, <laughs> right. But that abuse is it's mental. Those were the ones so, that I was loving. Yeah, truthfully, and I've said this many times and I don't have mean any slight towards anyone who gets hit because I don't think I have a high pain tolerance. I think I'd probably be someone's bitch pretty quickly if I'm going to be wrong, but (laughs) I could never go to jail. I wouldn't make it. Um, But I feel, 
I mean, <laughs> I would, yeah, I would just have a lot of friends. Um, <laughs> so I just felt, honestly, like sometimes I'd pray for him to hit me because I felt like it would hurt less than the mind game. I remember going to marriage counseling. I feel that. And like, cause he didn't want to have sex with me, like ever. I mean, I would beg like a dog. I mean, it was pathetic. And I'm like, okay, like, is it cause I gained weight? Is it cause I lost weight? We'd go to marriage counseling. And every time we'd go, he was never honest. Cause I didn't even know the issue was addiction at that point. And we'd go and he'd be like, she nags too much. So then I would scale that back. Mm -hmm. um, she wears granny panties to bed. Okay, first off, did not realize that non-thongs, just normal size panties were granny panties, but okay, just had a baby, yeah. fine. So then I'd wear something- You don't like my it. diaper. Yeah, got it. <laughs> and then it would be like, well, now she looks like a whore. I don't want to, I mean, it was just always, so it was oh like God. a constant mind game on what was wrong with me. So I was constantly trying to fix things that really were not the problem. But that has bled over into my life post-divorce and dating of, oh God, is it because I said this? Is it because I'm wearing this? Is it, you know, like all these things because um, mental abuse lingers forever. Oh, <laughs> oh it does it. I, I, mean, still, like, I still find myself thinking about it today way too often. It's like, how yes. could I ever let someone have that much power over my day to day like it makes me sick to my stomach right I get that I, mean, I totally get it's that. very I mean no much no matter how much therapy you receive or how many tools you're given the mind remembers always always so it's very how, hard to like come out of that how far into your marriage did you realize that you did you did it take you to accept you were married 11 years at what point did you accept that he was an addict and how many years did you lie to yourself where you knew it, but you weren't ready to accept it? Year Just 11 for viewers. Year 11 is when I accepted it. Okay. I, I knew for a fact. Not for a fact, suspected it. Oh, suspected, oh gosh. Oh, let's see. Violet was right before we moved into the neighborhood. So Violet oh, wow. had just turned out to be Violet was three. Wow. That was year what? Gosh. Uh, so we're married in 2009. Or is it 2000? Yeah, 2009. Violet was born in 2012. And so, yeah, 2000, what, 16? So 15. 14, 15. Yeah. I'm awful at math. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I knew it because we were moving into the neighborhood and our old neighbor um she our kids would play together I loved it I was so sad to leave and all of a sudden she kind of got weird with me and I'm like hmm. she canceled a play date and she was kind of like one of the first good mom friends I had in Florida and so I had texted her and like hey is there something I did to upset you is it because we're moving like what is it and she was like I didn't want to tell you because you don't want to cause a problem but your husband came over and asked my, um, my husband for some pain pills. And we told him he, we didn't have any. And then he asked to go to the bathroom and he stole them. Ooh. And I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> I'm like, Girl, crazy. But my gut 
was like, you need to look into that. So what did you I actually say? Me. I was so, I was devastated. Were you defensive? I was, no, I wasn't. Because I could not say without a shadow of a doubt that he didn't do that. Because I just didn't trust him enough to say for sure. So I remember asking him and of course it's like, oh my God, now I, I'm allergic to that. I wouldn't even take, and he'd always tell me, I'm allergic to that. I can't take that. Why would I take that? I'm like, well, if he's allergic to it, who am I to know her? Say, right. So like he sure enough stole those pills and embarrassed, I mean, ruined a great friendship with my, with our children and me and her. And so moving into the neighborhood where you were at, it was like a fresh start of like, okay, like we can do this. And then it was just little things after little things. I mean, writing checks to what I thought was our marriage, or not our marriage counselor, to his therapist was actually his dealer. <laughs> that was a really hard pill to swallow for a really long time. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. So there was <laughs> about three years of suspect, but not ready to accept. And then there was two years of full-fledged, I know this is happening, not ready to leave. And then finally year 11 comes around and it's all right. What was the final straw or was there a final straw that you were like, okay. Final straw was my mom, my stepdad and myself and him, we took a trip to Chicago. And I was like, okay, fine. Like an adult's trip, it'll be fun. And I remember going and I remember him going to the bathroom a lot at this pizza place. And I remember looking at my dad's eyes because he always told me his eyes looked dilated because they were lighter colored. So I, if he was in the sunlight, so I bought into that because, you know, stupid. Um, and so I remember him going to the bathroom and him coming back and his pupils just being so fucking big. And I was like, they were not that big when he left to go to the bathroom. And I was oh, like, wow. Does that happen? Yep. Does that happen? <laughs> yep. Depending on what you take. So, like a damn EMT. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I basically, between that and infertility, I can basically do IVF for somebody else. And, you know. <laughs> so, um, I'm like looking at my pupils right now to see like, what's happening. I know. Like it'll really mess with you. And so I remember looking at it and being like, something is off. Well, he kept like nodding off on the trip. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're not drunk. And I'm like, I know I'm not that boring. I'm like, what the hell? And so we went out to dinner one night, a nice dinner. And he said he had to leave early to go handle some work stuff. And I'm like, whatever. I go back to the hotel room and the hotel was like the latch was on, on, the, on his side. So my room key, I couldn't open the door. And I'm like, hello, like open it up, it's me, blah, blah, And I don't hear anything. And then I like get the door, like jarred open a little bit and I see his feet like dangling on the bed. And I'm like, get up, like, what are you doing? And like after 15 minutes of me looking like a psychopath in the Trump hotel in Chicago, it was a really pretty look. Um, he opens the door and he's like, I'm oh, sorry, I fell asleep. And I'm like, what the fuck did you fall asleep from? And he's like, oh, I just, I don't feel good, blah, blah. So he like runs to the bathroom to go vomit. And I'm like, I know you're on shit. You're on something. I don't know what it is. And he's like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. So he argued with me and he's like, I'm going downstairs to smoke. 
He was gone for six hours. Oh my God. In, in Chicago, I track his phone. He's at the hospital. Oh, answering me. And I'm thinking, but I didn't give two shits enough to get in the car to go either. He OD'd. Because I, thought, mm-hmm. I thought, fuck it. He put himself there. Deserves it. So you so knew. So he comes home. I knew. I knew then. I knew he was either one, fiending because he needed his next hit and he couldn't get it, or he OD'd and oh. he made himself sick. I that found out the next morning. what it was. Yep. I found out the next morning from the woman downstairs that he was vomiting downstairs in the middle of the um, hotel and they had to call an ambulance for him. I was mortified. So his the response, ambulance knew right away. Oh, yeah. His response was, um, my Crohn's was acting up. I'm like, okay. Well, I, and so he went as far as calling the nurse station at the hospital to have them explain to me what was going on. Cause you know, I wasn't buying it. Mm-hmm. And the nurse said, sir, you know why you were here. I'm not going to sit here and babysit you and help you tell your wife. And she hung up. And I was like, either you go to rehab when we get home or I'm filing for divorce before I leave the state of Chicago. And he said, I'll go to rehab, I'll go to rehab. And he's like, but I have to get home to get my neck. I'm out of pills and I have to get some. So I need to fly back home early. He left me that hour to fly back home to get high next. Mm -hmm. And I was going through withdrawals. That's why I went to the hospital. I knew we were done. Absolutely. Um, And I told him he couldn't come back in the house until he went to rehab. So he was at home when I got there. He wouldn't answer my texts or calls. Um, he thought, I guess I was gonna like calm down by the time I got home. And I just got further angry. And um, I'm not a person that does well with distance when there's an altercation. I'm one that like wants to solve it. And because he didn't even bother to tell me if he was safe or anything like that, that's a lot of worry for a wife to worry about. Um, and so I, we did end up finding him a rehab facility and he did go, but he had his dealer check him out on like day four. Um, and when I found that out, I was like, don't ever step foot back in this house. Like we're past the point of done. Cause I like people are gonna, people are going to fall short always. I'm mm-hmm. not perfect. I didn't expect him to be. I would honestly have stuck it out had he gotten the help because I think this all stems back from childhood issues. For sure. Mental health, you know, everything does. Right. And I can't be your mom. I can't go back and fix all that, but I can help you grow forward, but I will not stay in one spot with you and go down with you, especially when we have children. That's not an option. So it sounds like you didn't do a lot of back and forth, take him back. As, as much as oh, I originally thought. No, no. And that's why like I knew because I had to know that when I made that choice, there was not one thing left I could do to help. And when I offered to send you to rehab, when I get you the therapy you need, I mean, he was blessed financially. Help was not an issue for him. Most no. people don't have that blessing that are addicts. And an addict who will never run out of money is even worse. Oh, he had more money than he to do with. I remember seeing some of those checks and it was just like, how are you alive? 
right so like most addicts hit dead end by like y'all i'm talking some of your yearly salaries he was spending in a month mm-hmm. on drugs mm-hmm. like it's an it's crazy that he is alive absolutely crazy i mean no one no rehab facility i've ever talked to has been able to be like i mean they flat out said we have no idea how he's made it like at all and so i knew if you don't want me to hold your hand and help you get there we're done because i i didn't even see who i was as a human being anymore i was literally just a shell walking around my life was so filled with chaos day to day simple things of like he'd come in with a burger king cup in his hand i'd be like oh you had burger king for lunch no i didn't uh burger king cup oh no no um that cup was in my truck and i actually went to water like i mean it's just a lie after a lie that it messes with your head so much it's a mind fuck and you become paranoid right you're like is this real oh am i overreacting am i yes. i mean it's just you start to think i'm the one going crazy like it's not i'm crazy I too did. I, How am I ever, he, I have to stay with crazy. Cause I'm yeah, crazy Because too. I thought who the hell is gonna put up with me if I am right. such a nagger or if I do wear these granny panties. Like I thought like maybe, and honestly, I thought too, because we were blessed financially. I felt like this was almost like my, my penalty in life. You know, like how you have to like give and take. So I always thought infertility oh, yeah. was it. Like, God blessed you so much financially, but he's going to give you this battle. So that's, that's like the, you know, compromise. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I, in my mind all the time, because, because I am also just so blessed in so many ways all the time. I'm like, things are going so good and they have been for a long time. What's my next trial? Cause it's gotta be a big one. And I worry right. about that. And it's not even something that you'd be worried about because it hasn't happened yet. You don't know what's going to happen. But, right. So I get that. I, that's the first time someone else has ever said that. So that was. I always felt. Cool. I've always felt that way, and I always felt like that was my debt to God. Not that mm-hmm. He was punishing me, but because He blessed me in so many other ways. That like, maybe I was sent here to help Him. Maybe I'm sent here to do this. Maybe I went through infertility because, you know, other people who have those struggles they couldn't afford to do IVF. God blessed me. I could. So. Being told you can't get pregnant was not a dead end for me. It is for most people. And mm-hmm. I was super blessed that that was not my ending at all. And so, yeah, it, it just felt like a, like that was just the baggage I was supposed to carry. And not carrying that baggage is the most peaceful, freeing feeling I've ever had in my entire life. I don't, I can't remember the last time I was this happy probably not since I was like 10, like oh doing Violet's facial I'm, routine. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that because I definitely saw you at some of your breaking points and to oh, yeah. hear you, I haven't heard you say that yet. So that yeah, is I'm, awesome. I'm like that almost makes you want to cry right now. Like I always said, even right after I left him, my bed felt warmer alone than it did with him in it always. And I still feel to this day, as I'm on my journey of dating hell in your thirties, that nothing can ever be as hard as that was. So now I know like what to look for, what I don't want, but also I'm really just fucking happy by myself. Yes. And you also, 
I mean, we're not throwing numbers out there, obviously, but you came away from that divorce because you stuck through it. You're you're okay. You and the girls are okay. You don't have to replace someone financially. So you get you have the freedom to make healthier choices as well. A lot of women oh, yeah. don't, don't have that. They get so they do what you could have done. They just get so stressed out and they're at their breaking point. They just give in. Like, fuck it. I don't need anything. Just get me out of this situation. Luckily, you didn't do that, and you're at a place where you can you can really recreate a future for your girls. You can take your time. You can court and date. Right. And right. You're not rushed. I don't, I don't. I feel so extremely blessed because I know my case is not the normal oh. by far. Never will be. Um, it's. I know how great I have it. But that came with a really big price tag, and that yes, was the mental stability. That, and not just mine, my little girls. Um, wow. I would have taken a man with no money, who was honest and kind, versus what I was given any day of the week, all day long, for the rest of my life. Um, money does not buy you happiness. It never will. And it cannot take, it cannot give my daughters back their innocence. They've had to grow up really early and learn really harsh things about the world that no seven-year-old should have to ever have to hear. But um, in order for my daughter, my oldest, to keep her trust in me, I had to be truthful with her through and through. And that still holds true to our relationship to this day. I mean, um, if... I know she's going to the doctor and she's going to get a swab or a shot. It's very much, yes, that's what you're going to do. I don't lie. I don't hide it because she needs consistency and honesty because someone took that from her and broke that completely. So, right. And that's a kid by kid basis. Not every kid's going to mm-hmm. respond the way oh, Violet did. Violet at all. from someone on the outside that's met her. She was asking so many direct questions throughout the process. She'd ask me questions and I'd be like, Ooh, sister, you need to talk to your mom. Because right. I mean, some kids, they're, I mean, their defense mechanism is just to be aloof or maybe they're just, they're not even focused on that right now. And luckily those kids, it's not gonna have as drastic as of an effect, right? Because they're not concerned with those matters. But Violet was tuned in. She would try to listen to our conversations. So with her, you had to, yeah, yeah, it's not gonna get any better. With her, you had to be real with. So, and I think I mean, that- and, and we weren't like, I wasn't like, hey, your dad's a crackhead. That's not where I went. It was very much like, you know, for anybody no, out there struggling. Right. Actually, you had to tell her his drugs. Oh, yes, because, but this was done also with a therapist, you know, in tow. So right. it wasn't just like I read a book and was like, oh, I know what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing as a parent at all. Both my kids are polar opposite. If I would have had Scarlett first, I would have never had another child. Hands down. She does come so, off, of, she does come off like a serial killer when you first met her. Meter. Resting bitch face is real hard for her. That's never going to change. But like, she is strong as hell. Violet is very smart. She's very empathetic. She's very sympathetic. She's so kind. And so for her, it went to like, hey, if daddy took a, like, daddy has something in his brain that makes him take a lot of anything. 
so what do you think would happen if daddy drank a bunch of coca-cola she's like well he'd get sick and i'm like okay like, so daddy takes medicine that is not really his medicine and her first response to me was is that why he nods off on the couch all the time she was four mm -hmm. that was gut-wrenching that she noticed probably before i even did she probably could have diagnosed him too <laughs> So I think that part of this podcast is um, one, having these really deep conversations, but also helping viewers that are potentially in the same situation. So there's a couple of questions I have in relation to that. When you found out, what was the process that you took? And if it wasn't the correct process or you wish you would have done something different, what is the correct process? Hi, hi Scarlett that you wish you would have taken with the girls to get them did you immediately get them in therapy did you try to do it yourself did you read any books what were those books what did you do when it came to the kids in this situation so someone can learn from that so my first step was getting an attorney i think that was my hardest battle you know that um i got an attorney in the beginning that was underqualified for my case um i think finding someone depending on your situation but divorcing somebody who's an addict is really, really hard to do. Prior to me filing, he had no record. Um, after me filing, he created a very pretty rap sheet for himself. That helped. Um, but if you have someone who doesn't have that, you really, you have to go through a lot of hoops. So finding a good attorney was my hardest feat. And then, I immediately got therapy for Violet because she she's turning into a little girl that I did not recognize. She was angry at me and that was okay because she didn't understand why, you know, her dad was gone and we had just had a baby. All these things were different and I was a mess, but I also, I hid my pain a lot from her and I feel like I did that wrong because now that she's older, she thinks I'm superwoman and she compares herself to me all the time. And I'm learning this in her therapy <laughs> and because she didn't see me break down. It's not okay for your child to pick you up every day and wipe your tears, but it is a hundred percent okay for your child to see you hurting because then they can feel safe to do the same. Wow. And Violet did not feel safe. Violet put those little emotions in a box and then that box would burst two, three times a week on random things that didn't make sense. And it's because when you saw me, I was a fucking disaster. When my girls saw me, I was mom. And she made a comment recently, like, well, you're, you're perfect. And I'm like, the hell? I'm like, you just saw me eating Cheetos with like a baggy shirt and Cheetos in my hair and crying over like, a date and she's like but you always pull it together and i needed her to know that yes i do pull it together but that process between me falling and pulling it together is really fucking ugly so i'm starting to let her see my pain more because it makes her feel like her pain is okay and she sees that i come out on the other side and that's healthy that's what you want them to see and so i think that was one of my biggest mistakes and counseling for her and I didn't do counseling for myself as fast as I should have. Yes, I focused I remember on the kids. that. I was hoping you would yes. have said that. Yes. I focused on the kids because that is your job as a mom. You always put anybody mm -hmm. and everybody before yourself. 
but I was reminded by you, by my mom, you know, strangers at Target that (laughs) 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 saw me crying in the wine aisle, um, that you have to take care of yourself before you can even begin to take care of them correctly. And when you're that, when you're in the throes of hell, you have to find time for yourself. Even if that's just, um, you know, going outside for a good cry. If it weren't for my nanny, God bless her. Oh, shout out to Emily, bro. She is an angel. Emily is probably, I mean, if she were a lesbian, I think I'd switch teams for her. I'm not joking. She was amazing. She's like, she held it down. I mean, that woman picked me up and hid it from my kids so well for me when I didn't care if I lived that day, but she made sure my kids did. And she made sure that they were loved and they were happy and that I could fall apart safely when I had her. So when she wasn't there, I was able to be strong enough for them to do the correct thing for parenting. Um, so I think that some people suggested going to AA meetings. I never did it. Mm. And I'm going to tell you why, <laughs> which to each his own. Um, after going through that, I have a very zero tolerance for addiction in general. Mm-hmm. I do know it's a disease. I do respect that. I don't wish people harm, but I'm not going to sit here and listen to that when addicts are addicts. The only thing they care about is them and their next fix, not anything in the process. And it's not because they're hateful human beings. It's because they are, it is a disease. And I knew if I sat in a room with other people who are addicts or ex-addicts trying to convince me otherwise, I'd probably be on the news. So I felt like it was best I did not do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm surprised some I'm surprised someone suggested that because I feel like that would be very triggering for you. I mean, I guess maybe they're coming from a place of to help you show empathy towards these people. But I mean, well, and they do have like meetings for like spouses of addicts and stuff like that. So I could relate to others. Okay. But I feel, and because I had many friends going through divorces at the same time as me, I was the only one who was going through a divorce with an addict. So no one really had any advice to give. Cheating is common, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, it's being talked about more. I've noticed since I've probably moved here, I've heard of different scenarios from different people, um, friends or not friends or strangers or whatnot, that they think their partner might be an addict. They are looking into all these things and it's now becoming more talked about. And I feel like it should be because there there is a stigma. You don't want, I mean, my biggest fear was my girl's getting not getting invited to play dates because of his problem um because when I mean, he did get fair. arrested i mean who i mean i'm gonna be honest <laughs> had i not gone through what i went through i'd be a little snotty about it not gonna lie you don't want your kids around that kind of chaos and bullshit um going through what i went through i am not as judgmental i'll tell you that much it definitely humbles you quite a bit um, oh, skipping to my next question. Slow down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so b- before we go to that question, um, what, again, and from the perspective of how can we help people with your scenario, what were some red flags in the beginning in the purgatory of you? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm definitely suspecting some shit's going down. What were some red flags that you ignored that you, if you could go back and talk to Christine in 2015, 16, 
be like, don't, don't ignore that. Um, so <sighs> less obvious ones. Well, so Benadryl <laughs> bottles and like NyQuil, we'd have a shit ton of empty ones, but they'd be randomly hid throughout the house. And the reasoning was I have been having a really hard time sleeping a whole 30 fucking days worth of sleeping. Like it's been like, when did you get this? Oh babe, I got that like a year ago. So you gotta let that go. Um, I found a pen cap in the bathroom by the toilet. I thought that's weird. My kids don't write in pen. I haven't written in pen in forever cause I'm a mom. I mean, I'm doodling shit with crayons, not, not mine. And it was in the bathroom and it was like perfectly placed. So like it didn't um, fall. No. So I brought it up and he's like, what would I do with a pen cap? I mean, I've never done drugs. I mean, I think I tried marijuana like once or twice in high school. No, not even high school. Sorry, mom, college. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I asked him about it. He was like, no, I wouldn't do anything. I thought like, okay, maybe you'd use it for like cocaine or something. And um, then the next day that pen cap was there again. So I'm like, fuck. Like, what an idiot. Are you messing with me? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, hide it somewhere She else. told you what she suspected. Um, because he was the moneymaker, um, I mean, I paid the bills, but I didn't really pay attention to so much of what was coming in, what was going out for right. a while. Because why would Until you then I realized, job? right, until I realized, like, why are we out of money? Like, um, we just had X amount in the bank yesterday and now we're negative X amount and I haven't done shit. And the excuses were always like, oh, I paid this person, it's fine. Like I, I got you a painting ordered, it's special, um, it's coming. I never received any gift that was ever promised. So that was a huge red flag. Um, Cause he'd used giant lump sums of money for my gifts and those gifts were drugs for him. Mm -hmm. um, the nodding off. Um, that was a huge, huge marker. Um, he'd always say it was due to like, you know, sleep deprivation or whatnot. I mean, looking back, it's like, God, I'm so stupid, but it is what it is. No, um, that's why, that's why we're talking about this though. Yes. Like, I mean, it's just, I, to be honest, the only red flag you need is your gut because my gut has told me from the day I married this man, something was off. The day. Do you and think I found it goes from, back that far? It 100% does. I found out from one of his rehab facilities. He started right after we got married. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I will never, ever ignore my gut ever again. Ever. I have broken off dates just for a gut instinct that something's off. No red flags. Gut. Come to find out Yup. <laughs> red flag um your heart just knows it's just accepting what your heart and gut already know and doing that but yeah. if you have to ask there's your answer always um paying attention to your money your income coming in going out um oh phone god never left his phone face up ever that man would sleep with his phone in his pocket. Always. Oh, um, I don't even know how he charged it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he had a charger in his pants. I don't know. It's terrible. <laughs> you should patent that. 
Yeah, right? Um, he never, I could never see his phone. You could forget it. Any phone calls he received, he'd always step outside the room. I've never heard him have a phone conversation with anybody. Oh, and keeping me apart from his family, making sure we don't get along because- Isolation, well, yep. Oh, yes. When I found out and when I sent him away, um, my his dad and I had a conversation one time and I found out he had not gone to work in like five years. Five That's what your mom years. told me, like, or told my mom. She was like, my mom comes goes, yeah, like apparently he would go to work every day for like five years, but he never really went to work. And she was like, how do you think she didn't catch on to that? I was like, well, he probably got dressed for work, got yep. in his car with a briefcase, and then just didn't go. That's exactly what happened. Um, but like, how would I know? I, I mean, I don't go to his office. When I did go to his office, he was 100% there because it would be a coordinated effort. It wasn't like I'd just pop in. Um, but yeah, like when I found that out, I told his dad, I'm like, and you didn't think to ask me where he is? Right? Like, that's what, kind of how did he answer deal. that? Um, there's no answers on the other end, and there never will be. Um, accepting is a really hard thing for a lot of people, and a lot of people enable behaviors, and that's their side, and that's okay because. I'm, and I think that's probably why I was never really liked because I'm very, like, very direct and like, no, this is a problem. What is it? And, you know, he comes from a family where you sweep it all under the rug. So, I mean, right. you could have like a knife stuck in the middle of your forehead and they would not dare bring that up because that'd be tacky. Like, it's probably part of the <laughs> problem, right? That it got so bad. A hundred percent. Yes. Because, so like, yeah, I mean, I think that's why I'm so upfront with my kids. Like, no, like. If Violet, if I fuss at her now, I could like scold her and she'll cry and she'll go in her room. She'll come back out two minutes later and she's already put it in Pandora's box. And I'm like, mm -mm, girl, bring me that box. We're opening it. You're going to tell me, tell me you're mad. Tell me you're upset. Tell me you're hurt. Tell me what it is you feel. And I tell her all the time, if you don't fix these problems now and we don't talk about it, you're going to not be able to grow up to be a healthy wife, mom, businesswoman, any of those things, because these things will then seep out when you're an adult and, and you don't load on the people you love. Correct. Yep. It's a, it's a huge problem. I, th I believe everyone in the world should be on in therapy at, oh at least once, at yes. least once a quarter, just have a meeting with someone and talk about your problems because people in general do not know how to process shit. Uh, me included. Yeah. Like I'm not better it's than so that. It's so hard. It's hard. I mean, it's uncomfortable. I think every couple should be in marriage counseling, always. Every couple, um, always. I don't care how great your marriage is, you're gonna have tough times and that is healthy. Like I said, um, I believe in marriage is for better or for worse, but my situation, it was better for me to get out and I don't regret that at all. But without my therapist, like I found a great therapist here. Um, I mean, that have helped me significantly tackle quite a bit in a short time. So it's been That's a great. huge blessing. Yeah. So I know you've already touched on this, but what, how has this experience shaped you into a better person, a better mom, a better, a better individual, a better daughter, a better sibling specifically? It's going to be sound really selfish when I say it. Probably not. But <laughs> it's just made me happier. It's made me value the people I truly love so much more. And it's made me really self-aware 
of, because I'm not gonna lie, I, I was the problem in our marriage. I was not perfect uh, by a mile. Um, I never cheated, I didn't lie, I didn't steal, I didn't do drugs, drink. But I mean, I'm sure I irritated the shit out of him. I have my own baggage, everybody does. But I feel like I have just, I don't know that I've just, it's made me love myself a shit ton more and really respect myself way more than I ever thought I could. And it's been, made me, I guess less naive to the world too. I didn't realize how many things go on and it's just made me really appreciate I'm thankful for my battle with that. I'm thankful for my marriage to him. It gave me two beautiful children. Um, but it's made me a really damn good mom. Really, yeah, really good has. mom. Like, I can be a lot of, I can fail at a lot of things, and I will. Um, and I'm not a perfect mom, but God, I love my kids so hard. And I've learned to really put them before myself and be more self-aware of mental issues and paying attention to how I parent them now is how they will grow up to be a healthy adult. And that's where addiction all stems from. Is yes. usually not great parenting of some sort. You know, and not even necessarily that parent has done something horribly wrong, but it could be so simple as the child doesn't feel heard or loved. And I think my kids probably think I'd probably go overboard with it. And I'm okay with that because one day when they're older, they're going to be thankful that I care as much as I do. And as I put in as much time and work into them as I do, because I don't want, you know, my girls coming from an addictive trait. Um, I don't want them to go down that road. And I want them to feel heard and valued and loved and all these things because they have two roads they can go down. And of course, every parent wants their child to succeed. That's a given. But it's definitely made me more intentional. I'll say that. I'm more intentional with basically everything I do. Yeah, well, there's two points I want to add to that um, before we before we go. And that's one. Uh, I firmly believe that every single one of us is going to fuck up our kids. There's no getting oh, yeah. around it. We're all <laughs> yes. you are going in some way. You are going to fuck up your kids, no matter how great of a parent you are. I think the important part, and this part sounds dumb, but try your best. But two, and this is something that I learned as a parent that um, I love my parents, but I something that they could have done a little better was say sorry. Like you screw up as a parent so much. And I, and my parents did too. And that's perfectly fine. But Turner, I, I, I would get so angry at my, specifically my mom and we would fight so bad. And that was because I thought my parents when I was younger had all the answers. Like no matter the situation, they had the right answer. If they didn't give it to me, it was because they chose not to. And it would piss me off. But now that I'm a parent, I and I'm the oldest as well, I realize now they didn't know what the 
fuck they were doing at all no. the entire time because I was the first kid and I was a girl and I pushed every boundary that they gave me to see how far I could take it they were up to their forehead and shit with me they were you would have just said that right if they would have just said that like Kendall I don't know what the fuck I'm doing I'm trying my best I love you and I am sorry I am so sorry but I will do better and that to me is what I try to do in my parenting. Every time I yell at my kid out of frustration, I pull her or I spank, even after, even if it was a, a worthy spanking, I pull her aside. Sometimes we cry together and I go, I love you so much. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. And I hope that when I fuck her up, she remembers, yeah, but she, she fucked me up this way, but right. She tried. But she'll remember the caring and the compassion. So I've had to learn that recently in therapy with, for myself, for Violet. So I've learned that, um, imagine if you parented your children without thinking they were a direct reflection of yourself. Oh. And I thought, the fuck? <laughs> no. Let's say that again, exactly I have to think that. Well, so like, you know, I remember having a fight with Violet recently over some jeans she put on and they were high, they were short on her cause she had a growth spurt. I grew up, we couldn't afford clothes throughout the year. Um, you know, you got them for like your birthday or Christmas. And, and I'm they're like, Bermudas now. Right. I'm like, you can't wear those pants to school. And she loves these jeans, right? And she's like, why? And I'm like, because my thought process is people are going to make fun out of you. Like, they're going to pick on you. And I'm just trying to protect her little spirit. Well, her and I got in a fight about it that morning. And I went to my therapist and I was talking to her about it. And she was like, so you're afraid her friends are going to hurt her feelings, but what you did is you hurt her feelings. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm trying to protect her from a really bad fashion choice. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, I would ask her if that hurt her feelings. So I came home and I, I said, Violet, did, did I hurt your feelings by asking or making that comment? And her whole face just dropped. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, so I explained to her why I did it. And she was like, but I care what you think and I don't care what others think. So your opinion, when you made that comment, it made me feel embarrassed. I'd rather my friends make fun of me than my mom. And I was like, oh God. And like, I wasn't making yeah. fun of her. I was just trying to protect her, but I felt like such an asshole. And so I'm learning to admit when I fail and the grace my children give me is beautiful. Because oh, no one's going very... to give you more grace than your kids. No one's going to give you more grace God than your bless babies. Them. God bless them. Because it's really, it's hard to admit that you're wrong, especially to two small terrorists who like to attack you all the time. And they think that you have it together and you don't. And admitting when I'm wrong, it's like they love me even harder. And yep. it's like they forget what I did or what I said or how I reacted just to comfort me because they see that I'm uncomfortable and admitting it. And I'm like, God, y'all are good people because that? I, I don't like, deserve that grace sometimes. <laughs> but I feel like they're going to be more apt to come to you when they're wrong. I hope so. Scarlett, she can't hide it to save her life. Violet, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Violet pretty is little smarter than me the kid's way so smarter than I am just to paint a picture the first time I met Scarlett she was probably what just turned three maybe just turned three um, three-ish 
I moved here in 2000, the end of 2018. So she was three-ish. So she was two. She was two. I walked in her house and she was carrying a baby doll. I go, oh, is that your baby? And she goes, it's dead. And walked away. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Not much has changed. And Christine was like, yeah, that's Scarlett. She's, uh, she's different. <laughs> she's so dry. That kid has a phenomenal sense of humor. Like, oh my God, it's my favorite. Just, I, I, like, I wish I could take her to like anywhere with me. Like that's hanging out with adults because she's just so matter-of-factly like what like why would you do that the craziest shit but there's no expression on her face so you're like she's joking right like i feel like there's so many times where i've been like she's joking right nope nope she is fierce as hell um so sweet though like if she finds out she hurts your feelings like she's devastated by that thought like she never intends to hurt anybody but she's just like uh no like she's very literal so we I was joking with Violet one day that uh, Violet said she was cutting onions and it didn't make her cry she was cutting them with her nanny and I'm like well Violet you're just heartless because she made a comment about something else earlier and Scarlett goes Violet when you put your hand right here do you not feel anything (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love my kid I love my kid so much like she's so dry and like yesterday I said something and I was like, Violet, stop it. You're getting in my head. And Scarlett goes, yep. Well, I can't because I'm too short. I can't get in her head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <so fucking> literal. <laughs> she is. I love it. I, I wish I could think of all the quotes that I have of Scarlett. But there was a point where I was like listening. And I was like, there's going to be a book and we're just going to have it. Shit, Scarlett says. <laughs> and it's going to be a bestseller because no one's going to believe a two, three, four year old said this stuff. Like but, she's okay. just, Yeah. She's she's awesome. Christine, if there's anyone going through a similar situation, what is the best way for them to contact you? Um, you can contact me email, um, on Instagram. Um, and of course, if they are someone that you know and love, they are more than happy to text me. I'm always, always happy to help anybody going through this. Um, because you have to have strong friends around you or even just a listening ear. Like I still say to this day, if I did not have you to just push me through and you were so, you're like me, very like, you have to do this. You have to push through. You have there to. There was just, no option. Right. Like, and you told me that no you option. don't have another option. And I'm like, I do though. I, I can just like lay down and you're like, no, you cannot. Your future and your children's future depends on it. You have got to get through it, figure it out. And if I had a Kindle in my corner, I feel like everybody should have a Kindle in their corner. Um, Thank you. <laughs> it's very, very important. Very important. And I'm always happy to help anyone, even just to listen. You don't even, sometimes you don't even need anybody to talk back. Just to hear your own thoughts out loud will sometimes give you the answers you need. And can you spell out your email so that we can put it into the caption? Yes. It's c.young1216 at yahoo at yahoo and then your instagram please oh that is c bougie b-o-u-g-i-e one two one six i don't think how you spell that well we all know the password to everything in your life now nailed Um, it (laughs) you go in and pay my two one six (laughs) y'all i'm gonna pay her electricity bill you know how to get it 
Okay, and that is our episode today with my good friend Christine. I cannot wait to see you. We do have to plan a trip soon. Um, yes. Why are you awake, Scarlett? What's wrong with you? You can't, you moving my earphones, <laughs> it doesn't stop anything. <laughs> Can I have a kiss? Can I have a kiss? You want to give Miss Kindle, Kindle a kiss? Look, go kiss it. <laughs> your hair. Oh, that is hair. That right? Hair. Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Yeah. That breath looks hot. <laughs> <laughs> that breath looks hot. Everything on All that right. looks hot. I'm gonna cut it off here. Can if you would I like to. Some strawberries? Yes, I'll get you some in a minute. She no, wants strawberries. I, no, I already got. Oh, some. you already got some. That's why you look like you mangled a deer. <laughs> <laughs> That's our trailer Friday. I hope everyone has a blessed night, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>